We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It feels like it's been so long, but it was only about 30 minutes ago. So obviously, the news broke today that Billy Shrouth committed to Notre Dame. If you are a member of the Irish Breakdown Premium Board, you knew about this a few days ago. Uh, still, the timing does not matter. It's a big commitment. So my name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher of IrishBreakdown.com. Joined today by my man, Brian Smith, the publisher of Inside the Night, which is the UCF site for uh sports illustrated and also but of course brian in his heart of hearts is always another uh, fan <laughs> so brian's going to join us we're going to talk about billy shrouth's commitment we're going to do a little backstory we're going to break down his game we're going to watch some film and we're going to talk about this offensive line class as a whole we're also going to yeah. be joined here in a little bit by john garcia from si all american john's going to give us his thoughts on the old line class and and where he sees notre dame uh kind of how this impacts Notre Dame's rankings and things along those lines. So we're going to have a good, fun show for you today. We'll also have a show tomorrow, a recruiting show tomorrow night around 7 o'clock. We will cover uh, the pending announcement by Justin Rett, a top 50 2023 player. He's a cornerback from Bishop Gorman. He will decide between Notre Dame, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. We will carry that live as well. But we are going to talk today about Billy Shrouth. Brian, this has been a this has been a bit of a wild recruitment because <laughs> Billy – so basically I was told, I think this is back in like February, maybe March, that Billy was in the class. Silently, still wanted to take some visits, but like he told Notre Dame he was coming. Faded a little bit. Uh, Wisconsin made a push. There's an in-state – obviously going to be a strong in-state push <clears throat> to stay in-state. There were some other things going on behind the scenes. There were some issues with – the offensive line coach, there were some things kind of going on that were drawing him to Wisconsin and away from Notre Dame. And then Ohio State got in the mix, and they they made a push too. But at the end, it came down to Notre Dame and Wisconsin. And um, he sort of left the class. There was a period of time where Notre Dame was basically out. <clears throat> I mean, they were – it was just – it was looked like it was going to be Wisconsin. But there was one person that never stopped recruiting Billy Shrouth that viewed him as the top lineman that they needed to get in this class. 
and is the primary reason Billy Shrouth committed Notre Dame today, and that is Tommy Reese. Congrats I mean, to him on that. That, that was really yeah. Stupid. I mean, he grinded this one away. I mean, when it looked like Notre Dame was out, uh, somebody just sent me a quote. I got, I got to read you this, Brian. Somebody just sent me a story that Tom Loy put out. Now, this is a this is a, a free oh story. Here we uh, go. So, uh, or, no, this is a, a VIP story. So, I'm only going to read one little part. If you want to read the rest of it, you need to be a you need to read it. But this is something that somebody sent to me. Uh, he talked about about meeting Coach Freeman. And he said, uh, Coach Reese and Coach Freeman came to the house. I wasn't the biggest fan of the last head coach. But oh, when I wow. met Coach Freeman, he was different. Uh, That's so to really rare for a kid to admit that. Yes. And be, I mean, they probably are very different personality-wise. They are. And it wasn't – the thing that hurt Notre Dame, it wasn't just Kelly. It was also – Go ahead and say it. Quinn. There it is. <laughs> and he didn't want to play for Jeff Quinn. And so – his desire to kind of look to Notre Dame started to grow when the rumblings came out about Jeff Quinn not coming back next year, and obviously that's going to factor into it. I mean, the kid – this is the first commitment of the Marcus Freeman era. He committed to oh, Notre yeah. Dame. Yeah. They don't have a line coach. That's I, bizarre. <laughs> that's bizarre because those guys – You don't see that. A, exactly. You'll see that with other O-line especially. Not O-linemen. And I think that says a lot about his relationship with Tommy Reese, and yeah. it says a lot about ultimately that this is where he wanted to be. There just were some stumbling blocks in their name's way. And one of those stumbling blocks decided to head to LSU uh, a couple weeks ago, which I think the program ultimately will be better for. But at the end of the day, however they got here, Brian, this is a huge, huge pickup for Notre Dame. I was surprised because I remember calling you February or whatever, like Notre Dame's going to get this kid. Yeah. And then later you said, yeah, he's kind of silently committed. Then you said all of a sudden they're out. I'm like, mm-hmm. what in the world happened? Yeah. Well, I don't I don't follow Notre Dame like I used to living down here in Florida, but I'm like, this is bizarre because he fits the profile. And I said, Well, okay, Wisconsin, okay. But then they got into the season, Notre Dame A beat them. And they are, by the way, Wisconsin's offensive coordinator stinks. Um, <laughs> they 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 are the definition of not maximizing opportunity. Yes. That that aside probably didn't help with getting Billy or anybody else for that matter. But I'm like, it something's goofy because you can tell he wants Notre Dame. Because in-state Wisconsin kids that are quote-unquote coveted by the Badgers, it's lock, stock, and barrel. Alabama doesn't get a kid they offer out of that state. You know, it's just weird. So for them to go that long and him not to publicly announce, I'm like, this is one of the oddest recruitments ever. And I remember a week or two ago, we we talked about it, you know, off the record. I was on the phone with you. And I'm like, I really don't have any idea at this point. I've read every report. I, I subscribe to 247. I read Tom's stuff. Nobody really knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got to the point I didn't even read anything mm-hmm. about it because it went both directions about five times. Mm-hmm. So, but the one thing I do know is I watched his film one time going junior into senior year. Didn't need to see anymore. Yeah. Forget the school he's going to. And I, yes, I'm straight up a Notre Dame fan, total homer. <laughs> he went to Wisconsin. Oh, there's no way around it. He went to Wisconsin. I, I would have said the following as well. Barring injury, he is a three-year player, potentially gone, and at worst, four-year. He will never see a fifth year, barring yeah. injury, in right. college football, even if he redshirts, because he's a National Football League player. Period. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't say that about guards. He could play tackle, but I mean, I think his best spot would be right or left guard. Maybe he can play center. I don't know. 
but he's an interior lineman and he has feet to move laterally and play in the screen game. He has the feet to pass protect and most guards at this level. That's a struggle. He can do that. And he will beat the living crap out of you in just straight ahead gap block or it doesn't matter. He will get his hands on and move you. Notre Dame got a great player. 20 years ago, I think he could play defensive tackle in college. Not in today's oh, game, yeah. not in today's game, but 20 years ago when you needed your tackles to yeah. be big space eaters. Yeah, he could have played defensive line. He's a good defensive lineman. Yeah, no oh, question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this is a big pickup. Now, I've kind of felt for the last month or so that this is all- was ultimately going to be the outcome, but it was one of those things where the longer it went out, you, you like you said, you think that you're hearing this, but with this kid, you, you end up kind of taking nothing for granted. But because, number one, he doesn't really – put a lot out there, you know, and and he's not a kid that engages with the media a ton. He just kind of likes to go play ball, which is ultimately what I want a lineman to be. I was literally dead set on the fact that he was just not going to commit publicly. He was just going to tell the coaches and then sign. But now luckily he put something out, you know, and and I'm I'm glad he did that. But uh, for Notre Dame, obviously it gives them some good publicity, but this is a really, really big pickup. I like Billy as a player. You know, he's ranked, I think rifles has him at like number one twenty five. Two four seven and ESPN have him outside the two hundred. He is not. There are not two hundred football players in the country better than Billy Shrouth. I opinion. think there's twofold with that. He doesn't do a lot of interviews and all that, and mm-hmm. that's not good for them. Number mm-hmm. one, not any network. It's just mm-hmm. true. Quotes sell for guys. We need clicks. They don't. You know, they don't pick up the phone or send a text. It's not mm-hmm. helpful. And he's an interior offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. That is quote unquote not sexy. Right. It doesn't mean that Nick Saban wouldn't have taken his phone call. I guarantee you he would have. I don't know if he'd have taken him, but like, look at it this way. I have told you for years we need to get more players out of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, et cetera. I don't really look at Wisconsin that way. It's not, you know, geographically it's easy to get to and all that, but not a lot of players. But think about this. When was the last time Notre Dame got a player out of Wisconsin? And they offer somebody pretty much every year. If Wisconsin offers them, you just don't get them. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Greg Pauley, that's 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, I think uh, that's it. Because I'm thinking like Matt Lavore was from Pennsylvania, Floyd was from Pennsylvania, or I mean oh. Minnesota. Yeah, um, yeah. I honestly can't think of a player from Wisconsin that Notre Dame. Brian B Dash was offered, but Wisconsin didn't offer him. So right, right. That that was a Greg Madison find. He was a good evaluator. But that's yeah. about it. Notre Dame basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Notre Dame tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all Notre Dame tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their Irish tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The Irish have an exciting veteran group infused with young talent that should take them deep into March. I can't wait to get out and watch the Irish play in person at Purcell Pavilion and so can you with TickPick. Visit TickPick.com Irish today to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. Again, that's tickpick.com slash Irish, and you'll receive $10 off your first order of Notre Dame tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, and this was a unique year because you had three top 100 caliber offensive linemen from Wisconsin. They normally oh, don't have that. Really. They normally have like those, you know, those three-star kids that that only Wisconsin wants, and then they develop them, and by the time they're, you know, redshirt juniors, they're really good football players. The thing about Billy that I like is he is not your typical – he is not your stereotypical Wisconsin offensive lineman. You know, he in some ways, he you know, big. You know, he's 6'5". He's got long arms. That's the thing I like, Brian. He's got the length to play tackle. He's got the feet to play tackle. He's athletic. That's the key for me, that part right there. You know, Joe Bruner, to me, the, the kid that actually – the of the three, I, I only think one of them is going to end up at Wisconsin. I think really? – I won't be shocked if Carson Insman ends up at Ohio State. I think oh, only wow, one of them for sure is going to end up at Wisconsin, and that's Joe Bruner. Joe Bruner is the stereotypical Wisconsin kid, 6'6", 305, not overly athletic. Kind of stiff, but physical. When you look at Billy Shroud, in some ways he's your typical Wisconsin kid because he's big, he's long, and he's physical. What he has and what Carson Hensman have that you don't normally find from the really northern kids is athleticism. Yes. And that's the thing I love about Billy. He is athletic. And that's why you and I have both said he doesn't play tackle, but he could. He could. If he could. Notre Dame was dead set on him being a right tackle and they said we're going to put him a right tackle the day he gets here and we're just going to coach him up and work on him, and they're going to have a new O-line coach, and I'm assuming it's going to be someone that's going to be able to, to coach at a high level. I hope it's going to be someone that's going to coach at a high level. Then that kid would be starting to write tackle in a few years, a couple years. Now, yeah, by the end of his sophomore year. Right. Now, you don't do that because you just say, we're going to figure out a way to fastest way to get him on the field. Okay, sure. And that's how it should be. The point being is if they wanted to dedicate themselves to getting him comfortable in space, I think he could do it. That's the kind of player he is. And, and you just don't – you don't find, you find a lot of tackles that can move to guards. You don't see a lot of guards that you're like, yeah, I think that guy should Rare. play tackle. You Rare. know, and, and and so I think that helps to this because it, it, it answers your point. I mean, to me, he could play four of the five starting positions on Notre Dame's offensive line. I, I don't know if I would put him at left tackle. That's a, yeah. that's a reach for me because we just haven't seen him do it. But from left guard to right tackle, there's not a position on the offensive line that I don't think this kid can play. And and then you talk about adding him to a class that already has Joey Tanona, already has Ty Chan, already has Ashton Craig, now has Emil Wagner. That is about as good of a five-man class as you're going to find. Because I, I made this point earlier, Brian, and we'll bring John Garcia on here in a second and ask him the same question. You look at last year's five-man class. To me, Blake Fisher's better than everybody else that that that's in those two classes. I mean, Blake Fisher is like a, you know, five-star caliber stud kind of player. I believe uh, SL American had him as a top 50 player last year. No, he they had him in the sixties. I think he's a five-star caliber player. 
Um, but you look at two, three, two and three, you had Shrouth, and then you had, I mean, you had uh, Rocco and then Joe Alt, who was sort we thought was a project, but turned out to be ready as a freshman. And then Caleb Johnson and Pat Coogan. So like four and five are just kind of more like, you know, depth players and all those kind of things. You look at the five kids in this class now. I mean, to me, I grade Emil Wagner out as fifth. If you have an offensive line wow. class where Emil Wagner is your fourth or fifth guy, you're rolling. That, that is a heck of a class. And the old, because the only reason Emil's fifth for me is the size. I don't know. Side. I mean, you <laughs> see him on the on the on the basketball court, and you're like, that kid looks like a defensive end, not an offensive tackle. You know, that's my only concern. But when that kid's your five, that's one heck of a class. But Billy Shrouth was the key to that because Billy is the only guy that I view as a top guy. Like I don't view Tanona, Craig, Chan, or or um. Wagner is top 100 recruits. They're like 150 to 200 ish kind of guys, you know, maybe some upside of higher, but Shrouth was important because you need that, 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 that dude. And I think he is that dude. I love Tanoa, but I like him if, and I have no idea who the new O-line coach is going to be. So this is irrelevant, but if the new O-line coach sticks him at center because of his feet, that, that spot is so hard to play now. If he can play that, with his athleticism, yeah. he's possibly a top 100 player. Yeah. But, right. Yeah, but he's not as strong in his – I mean, like, Billy will be yeah. here. There's some guys with upside of a top 100 player. Oh, yeah. Like Emil Chan has the upside there. of a top 100 yeah. player. Emil Wagner, if he can fill out, has oh, the upside yeah. of that. But there's just – Ashton yeah. Craig, to me, had a great senior year. So, I want to bring on John Garcia first. And, and John, I just wanted to open up to you, number one, just kind of your thoughts on, uh, on Billy Shrouth as a football player. You just said it, man. That's a football player. I, I think there's – when we get into this business, there's so many different pools we have, right? High floor versus high ceiling, polish versus raw athleticism, measurables versus what we see on the field, all that stuff. He's like on the top end of every one of those scales, except for maybe the polish, and it's really not his fault. You know, he plays in Wisconsin, triple option offense. That's going to be – lean on somebody, come downhill, maybe chip someone at the second level and go pretty much every snap. So I'm curious to see how his transition goes from a technical standpoint, but from a height, weight, physicality, lean standpoint, this is a football player. I love the fact that he supplements the O-line play with some defense. We get to see overall athleticism, pursuit, kind of natural instincts on the football field, uh, and that's where Billy really to me, elevates uh, his profile. And I'm right with you, Brian. I think he's uh, – Brian with the Y. I think he is probably the, num- the number one or number two O-line get in this class for Notre Dame. I agree with you on Wagner. So light. There's so much to be determined there physically. I do think Chan, from a pass protection standpoint, has a chance to play pretty early, uh, depending on, on how he fills out his frame as well. But in terms of a football player standpoint, I, I like Billy's floor compared to the rest of this group but it is a good group it is a diverse group and when you start looking around the country this is becoming one of the better groups if not the starting point for that conversation uh, down the home stretch so i really like the pickup individually and absolutely collectively to me i look at this and i say you know there's some classes i got to work through but i have a hard time believing that there are five classes better o-line classes than this group now that billy shrouth is in the class oh yeah what are your thoughts john you're, you're right there. You know, first of all, from a volume perspective, 
there's not a lot of programs that have even four offensive linemen committed. So when you talk about building an offensive line class, this is literally one of the few that has five. And some of them that are bigger or are as big in volume are totally built differently. Uh, I think Notre Dame's is as modern a group as you'll see, which is not what you know conventional wisdom tells us, right? We, we would think, okay, Notre Dame's got five guys, six, five or better. Well, my brain goes to, okay, well, they're all probably 320 or heavier built for the, you know, a big 10 run first style. No, these are tackles that are lighter, if anything, uh, who are built for the modern game, which I think reflects what, what Tommy Reese wants, what that offense is going to start to look like moving forward as it continues to modernize. But these other groups that have that volume, for the most part, are heavier. Florida State has four or five all well over 300 pounds. Um, Stanford's are heaviers uh, are heavier than Notre Dame's at this point. Penn State has a huge group, but they're all physically bigger than what Notre Dame is bringing in. Uh, I think when you start to look at the best classes, Notre Dame, Stanford, I like the Ole Miss group, especially after seeing uh, oh, their, yeah. their banner left tackle this past week down in Mississippi. I think that group is going to contend when all is said and done. But when you look at the the perennial recruiting powers, Alabama, Georgia, A&M, uh, Penn State, those schools have smaller groups for the most part. So when you talk about O-line halls collectively, that conversation is shifting to Notre Dame at the forefront of that discussion. And that's not something that even 12 months ago, we probably thought we would be talking about here as a signing day creeps uh, ever so close. So I like the modernization in general for Notre Dame in this entire class, and it's reflected on the O-line. I think one of the things that Notre Dame is really focused on in this class period is athleticism. And, and I think that's the same thing with the offensive line. People say, why don't Notre Dame recruit big guys? Because that's not the kind of offense Notre Dame wants to run. They want to run an that Quentin Nelson was big. That's not why they recruited him. He he's a freak. I mean, he was athletic and huge. Notre Dame has gotten by on the three hundred to three hundred five pound guys that can move. I mean, Robert Hainsey, the Liam Eikenbergs, the Mike McGlinchies. That's Ronnie Stanley's kind of guys, and and that's what they want to run. They want to run. They want to run outside zone. They run. They want to get to the next level. They want to run screens. They want to run RPOs. And the other thing too is a lot of those 315, 320 plus pound guys live in the South. Northern linemen tend not to be as big. And when they are big, they're not athletic. And that's what we were talking about earlier about Joe Bruner. Joe Bruner fits the, the big guy profile, but he, he, he can't move like the kids that they got can move. Um, so I think that, I think that's important too. And I think the other thing that's important is we talk a lot at SI All American about it's not just landing talented players, it's about landing talented players can play together. And when you look at this class with Chan at left tackle, whether it be Wagner or Shrouth at right tackle, let's go with Wagner for now. Then you've got Tonona, Craig, and, and Shrouth as interior guys. You have a starting five caliber offensive line. Now, it won't always play out that way, but I think that's important too. If you sign four guards or four tackles, you know, you, you wonder about how the fit's going to be. And the thing that's interesting about this is Notre Dame signed two, is, is going to sign two interior linemen, meaning guys that play inside in high school. That's also not something you find a lot. But uh, obviously, Joey Tonona moved to center as a junior, played it this year, and then Billy Shrouth's a guard. But I, what I find interesting is I would argue that Shrouth, just pure athleticism, is either their number one or number two in the class athletically, in my opinion. And that's what makes him different as a guard. Because normally a high school guard's a guy that can't really move. That's certainly not the case with Billy Shrouth. Oh, he can right. It's, it goes against the triple option perception too, right? You think, oh, well, triple option. These guys are just 
kind of road graders, but um, in that scheme, you've really got to be able to push towards the second level. And, and again, we focus too much, I think, on the viral play, the pancake, you know, just man, I mean, man versus man, I'm better than you, I'm gonna get you on your back. But when you can even wall off a Mike Backer, I don't care if you're in Wisconsin, Indiana, you know, Montana, if you can wall off modern age, you know, modern day high school linebackers after completing your assignment at the line of scrimmage, you can move. And when you think about the size that Shroud brings along with it, it becomes more intriguing. So that's I'm right with you. I think he's probably, for me, probably the number two guy uh, behind Chan in the class, just in terms of fitting the modern game. But I think that position flexibility is so critically important. I think you could see him start off as a guard at Notre Dame and then down the line, maybe push out uh, to right tackle. He might even be able to play both guard spots, which is really hard to do. So this is a critical kind of icing on the cake piece for, for this Notre Dame O-line group. I think there's something else about Billy Billy Shrouth that to me s- signifies what this class is for Notre Dame up front. I think when you look at the current Notre Dame roster, you see some bigger guys and you see some smaller guys and you see this mix of players. The one consistent I saw from this line that I think caused this line not to be as a typical Notre Dame line is there wasn't a lot of pop. There's not a lot of starting linemen for Notre Dame that just kind of pop you. Even Kane Madden, he kind of gets by on just throwing his weight around a little bit. Notre Dame doesn't have guys on the current line that can just come off and punch and move. The thing I like about this class, and everybody focuses on the weight, and I don't care what their weight is as high school seniors, but when you watch these kids, and Billy Shrouth epitomizes this, these are kids that come off and they have powerful hands. And I think that is something that I really like about this group as well. They're athletic, but they can strike, and they are tough kids. Even Emil Wagner, who's 260 pounds, you watch him play, he's got punch. Now, will he fill out enough to be able to actually move people or 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 hold up? That remains to be seen. But he will fight. And that was the thing that probably surprised me the most is he'll pop you. That's something that I love about this class. Brian, what are your thoughts on on uh, that aspect of this class? And then, John, I'll go to you next with the same question. I'm glad that Notre Dame finally got that guy. Uh, the big fellow that had a left guard last year. I mean, when he hit somebody, it changed on third and one. He's mm-hmm. in the NFL for a reason. Right. They don't have that guy this year. Right. And I know part of it was O-line coaching, and I know Billy's not going to walk in and do it. But there's a part of that in practice. When you see your teammate doing that, it's collective. You mm-hmm. guys want to, you know, it's a group. O-line's a weird kind of deal. It's a chemistry thing. It's a mentality. Billy's going to bring that. And the guys that don't want to play like that will be the ones standing next to the coaching staff on the sidelines. Notre Dame has to – they're not going to out-athlete. We talk about this all the time on the phone. You're not going to out-athlete Georgia. You're just not. A&M, you're just not. But you can beat the crap out of them. That never changes in football, and it's why it's so unique, and it's my favorite sport. If you go through somebody, it, t- it kind of takes the breath out of somebody. It's third and two, and you get a five-yard run when everybody in the stadium knows you're going to run the ball. Those athletes aren't as valuable at corner mm-hmm at receiver, et cetera, because they're standing over on the sidelines, the offensive guys, et cetera. That's what Notre Dame football has been traditionally. And now they're starting to get some other athletes outside the, you know, outside the numbers too. But if Notre Dame's not dominant up front, they are never going to consistently beat Alabama. They have to. Yeah. They have to. They have to. That's why he's vital. And and, and even you look at like an 88, you know, Notre Dame had some athletes that you could say competed with Miami. But they're just never going to have the depth. 
Correct. of athletes. They have to be able to win in the trenches. And defensive line-wise, Notre Dame's been able to play with anybody for the last four or five years. Four years, right? Four or five years. I mean, we talked about this. Their 2018 defensive line has got six guys that have been drafted since then. You know, and That's two crazy. of those guys are still <laughs> on the roster that played on that team, you know, with Myron Tungvaloa, actually three, Myron Tungvaloa, Kurt Heinish, and Jason Adamiola were all part of that rotation as well. So uh, defensive line's not an issue. The offensive line has been a little bit more up and down. If we're being honest, and you know, in this stretch of 18 to 21, I would argue that Notre Dame has only had one season where they played like an elite offensive line. I don't think they did in 2018 at times. 2019, definitely not. This year, definitely not. 2020 is the exception. I think you needed two strong classes in a row. I think last mm-hmm. year's class with, with Fisher and Rocco at the top, and, and then with Joe Alt emerging, Brian, you remember us talking about Joe Alt. I gave him a four-and-a-half-star upside. I just thought he was going to need more time. He's already developed. Caleb <laughs> Johnson providing – I mean, you could argue that Caleb Johnson's your ninth best commitment in the last two years. That's there aren't insane. a lot of teams that could say Caleb Johnson's your number nine commit. Now, you could argue yeah. maybe he's eight or seven, but he's definitely in the bottom half. You know, there aren't a lot of teams that can do that. I think that back-to-back strong classes has sort of put their name in a position where, with the right coaching, they've got a chance to quickly get back to being that kind of group. And and yeah. I think that's going to – because they they can't win titles without that. John, to the to that comment, but, but also to the original comment about um, just the, the – even though they're not the the biggest group, this is a group that's not only athletic, but they can strike people. Two things for me on that front. One, how do you compensate for maybe a transition in either philosophy or size? If you have a striker, a striking ability, you can start to compensate, especially in the passing game. It's about stunning the opponent. It's Again, we get so entrenched into thinking, pancakes and and pushing the you know the the defender five yards down the field it's not just walling them off if you could strike that defensive end that smaller the guy who's getting smaller and 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 more edgy now all of a sudden you're, you're throwing off the timing of that rush and as we talk about a transition and modernizing that's going to become more and more important in the timing and the anticipation aspect of the notre dame passing game you have to stun the opponent look at the team's that are that have been great with tempo over the last I don't know five years LSU 2019 Oklahoma pick your year Ole Miss this year those old lines didn't have a ton of NFL upside but they could all zone block and they could all mm-hmm. punch uh, that's really the focal point of getting the ball out right now it's about chopping those defensive ends who want to go high and stunning those who want to go low and those are ways you can both transition and modernize almost at the same time so yeah that starting weight and the conventional thought of what an old lineman should look like entering college all flipped on its head as the game went more spread and went more timing based and that's even important as you use the passing game as an extension of a run, bubble screens, jet sweeps, all of that stuff, hitches, tunnel screens, all of that stuff is extension of the run game. So now you can pop somebody and get to the second level, which really becomes uh, a huge weapon when you start to counter what should always be a good traditional Notre Dame run game. And then, of course, back to Billy Shrouth, I think he epitomizes a lot of the stuff we're talking about. I mean, athletic, can move, versatile. You can find, I mean, you can, there's, if you have an opening, and he's your best guy, you have a lot of places you can move him to get him in the starting lineup. He, he's a, it reminds me, to me, in regards to the versatility, he, to, he reminds me a lot of, a, a, to me at the same age, a bigger, 
more physical, stronger version of Jarrett Patterson coming out of high school. You know, because remember, Jarrett was a little bit, you know, 275. Jarrett wasn't a thumper, never been a thumper, but Jarrett was athletic and he could play a lot of position. I mean, Jarrett Patterson was a left tackle in high school that's going to get drafted either this year or next year as a center, right? And could play guard, could play tackle. To me, that's the thing I love about Billy Billy Shrout is that versatility where I I could view him as being a multi-year starter at center, both guards, tackle. Uh, That's the comparison. If you want to know my, say, a, a, a more physical Version bigger, more physical version is that Jarrett Patterson is really what I, what I see from him from a body type and a strength. I mean, in a in a upside standpoint. Thoughts on that? Has John? he snapped? Has he snapped at all? Do we know if he's snapped no. the football? Don't? Neither did Jarrett Patterson. You talk about right. You talk about a way to sneak into the ninety nine. If I find out stuff like that, I mean, that's that's the kind <laughs> of stuff that really starts to change perception. We, we know he can definitely play all over. And I go, again, I go back to the D line stuff because when you're, when you're playing in a triple option on offense, it's usually stack shift, depending on where the play is going. And if you got to get to the second level wall off or make contact, if you can, but on defense, it's so much more reactionary. So you get to see the extension, the redirection ability, how well he transitions when he doesn't know where he's going. So that, that you start, combining some of those athletic traits with center and guard as opposed to right tackle. Now my ears perk up a little bit more, but you know, right. center snapping, that's one of those things that you can learn, right? It's like a kid right. with bad hands. I saw an electric receiver who dropped a few passes this past week. It's like, Hey, I ain't worried about that as much because you can work on that. You can rep mm-hmm. that. You can't rep, uh, you know, four, four with, with a four, one shove, you know, you can't do those things or you can't rep those things out. So, that starts to perk my ears up even more uh, with Shroud. So I think it's just, again, another reason why it's a huge addition. And that's so different compared to pretty much everyone else that Notre Dame has committed on the offensive line. Brian, I'm going to say something that's going to get John super fired up because I know how John loves this. Do you know that all <laughs> five of Notre Dame's offensive line commits play defense? Wow, that's a that's a really interesting stat. I don't know. I mean, I've followed Notre Dame since the mid-'80s. And they, Holtz used to take D-linemen. And move and just take athletes. Uh, Benny Serrato told me one time we recruited against one school and it's Miami. We had to get faster at every position, so that was their goal. But I still can't remember the last class because even like Quentin Nelson, did he play D line in high school? I mean, he was a freakazoid. Yeah, I don't think if he so. didn't. That puts it in perspective. I don't he think Bars old. did. I don't think Mustafer did. I don't think McGlinchey. Wow. McGlinchey might have earlier in his career. He got a little um, small. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, they haven't had a lot of them. I mean, last year, Blake Fisher didn't play defense. Rocco did. Rocco was definitely a defensive lineman. Um, I don't think – did Caleb Johnson play defense? Brian, I don't think he did. The guy that played defense for Catholic was his buddy that signed with Florida. They put him at nose because he was the bigger guy. Johnson did not. Pat Coogan did. I mean, looking at their current team, uh, Zeke Carell I don't think played two ways. Christoffic did. Andrew Christoffic did. Um, Josh Lug did not. For most of his career, I mean, they have they haven't had a ton of those guys. You don't see a ton of offensive linemen yeah. playing both ways nowadays. You just don't see as much two way players, period. But to have five mm. commitments on the offensive that line that, that, that play defensive line, and the funny thing is, the guy that plays the least amount of defense is Emil Wagner. He's arguably the best. Has the most D line body of anybody <laughs> they have in the class. He plays at a speed. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd like that wingspan. 
coming off the edge. <laughs> oh, wow. exactly. yeah, he's a he condo. plays defense. He just doesn't play it as much. I mean, yeah. Billy Shrouth is a guy that plays defensive line. I mean, he's just a full-time starter. Ty Chan, same thing. Joey Tanona, same thing. Ashton Craig, same thing. I mean, 20 years ago, these all, all these guys could have been Division One defensive linemen in a system that was geared more towards size and power and eating a block. So, John, I, I, I just kind of – I know you love two-way <laughs> players, man, so I just wanted to throw that little red meat to you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's, it's almost like a whole other sport. You know, we get mm-hmm. um, everyone's against specialization and, and throw me into that that conversation, too. This is almost like playing a whole nother sport, um, not to mention showing me what kind of gritty player you are, showing me what kind of teammate you are to, to be able to play both ways at near 300 pounds. I mean, that's a lot. We, we just don't see that a mm-hmm. whole lot. So to me, it's almost like saying, yeah, he's a great basketball player or he wrestles, like Brian Smith said, runs track, whatever throws throws in track and field, whatever it is, that's almost like a secondary sport to me, especially if you're good at it and you're productive at it. We talk about it way more at other positions, but again, in this day and age, it's really important up front if you do either. And it goes the same uh, on the flip side. If you're a D-lineman that moonlights as an offensive lineman, like we like that too. So yes, more the more reps, the more tape, the, the more you're out there, the happier I am generally. So, John, before we dive into the film, we'll let you go before we dive into the film because I know you got a million things. Y'all don't understand. John runs <laughs> SL American, right? Do y'all know signing days in like five days? I remind John's you. got I some stuff going on, but that's what he <laughs> thinks about the IB community. He, I asked him to come on, and he didn't even ask me time limits or anything. I just know he's super busy, so we're going to let him go for in the film. But, John, we appreciate you coming on for sure. Uh, I was, I'm going to make a claim, and you tell me if you agree or disagree with it. Notre Dame has four position groups that if everybody that's committed signs is arguably a top five national class at that position. Okay. Wide receiver, tight end, and then the two obvious linebacker and offensive line. Agree or disagree? I don't know, arguably, so that way you have a little bit of leeway. <laughs> that's the – that's the because I would go siege – because you uh, – Based on SI All-Americans, if CJ signs, you've got two top 100 receivers. CJ's, yeah, CJ's questionable, but right. we'll see. If yeah. he signs, right? That's what I'm saying. If everybody mm-hmm. signs, it's committed now. And that's why I didn't put DB in there because Devin Moore's not committed anymore. And without him, this isn't a top 5 to 10 DB class, in my opinion. Uh, linebacker's a no-brainer, right? I mean, is any, right? O-line, O-line now to me is a no-brainer. But mm-hmm. I would argue that receiver and tight end. I don't know if I can remember the last time that you could argue that Notre Dame had four position groups that you could say arguably or we, we could at least have the conversation maybe they fall just outside but they're in the conversation of being top five thoughts on that what John? i like what i like is that some of these are on offense and with skill players i mean that's from a you know thirty thousand foot viewpoint that's what notre dame has needed and now you're stacking classes together that are having conversations like that. I loved last year's secondary hall. I definitely loved the linebacker hall last year. But when you go on offense, it just it brings more juice because of the team, because it's Notre Dame. It's like when Bama had their quarterback revolution. Like every team has to go through sort of that natural growth in recruiting where things start to change. And then it's all downhill from there. So if Notre Dame continues to stack skill positions, especially wide receiver, and you get into quarterback. I mean, that's when you can really start talking about getting over some of the hurdles and humps mm-hmm. that, that we've long associated with with uh, with Brian Kelly, honestly. So right. I, I, th- that's that's exciting to see from from a, a macro perspective. Uh, but yeah, I think two of those are 100% no brainers. 
and wide receiver, obviously, if you hold on to those guys, that becomes a no-brainer as well. And for any school to have that with multiple positions, and we're talking some of those premium positions, that's a very, very big deal. And again, I don't know where these guys are going to fall in the the updated SI99 ranking because we only do it twice a year, not every two weeks. Uh, based on whatever <clears throat> whim we want to have. I'll be the one to say that. You guys can just nod and smile. Uh, but yeah. uh, Tobias Merriweather was, I believe, 46th, and C.J. Williams in the 80s. And this comes a year after you signed Deion Colsey and Lorenzo Styles and Jaden Thomas. And so, again, that, that, that adds to it. But at the end of the day, we will always come back to the fact that if Notre Dame doesn't have a great offensive line, they are going to always have a, a lower ceiling as a team. We saw that this year. I'll put Notre Dame's skill up against a lot of teams in college football. When you look at Kyron Williams, Logan Diggs, Chris Tyree, the receiving core they had, the one of the best tight ends in football, one of the best tight end depth charts in football. You don't have many tight end running back combos like Notre Dame has, in my opinion. There are some. There are not many. And yet the thing that held this team back this year was the line. That can never happen at Notre Dame. This group combined with last group, because that's the big thing, guys. You and I both know you all, you two and me, we all know this. It can't just be one class. It's about how you stack them up. And when you can have a group like last year, and then you add a, a group the next year that's even deeper, that's where it's got to be. But Billy Shrouth to me, and I, and I just want to get your thoughts on this for you, Lee John. To me, Billy Shrouth was the key between Notre Dame having a top 10-ish class and a group that is in the conversation for could it be the best or at least in that top three to five. He Getting him was the key because you needed more top-level talent, and he, to me, is a top-level talent. Yeah, if, if Notre Dame can hold on to some of the bubble guys uh, that, that are still, you know, TBD with this class of 2022, maybe I don't know what the corner situation looks like, but if there is a plan to replace Devin Moore, I think – you start talking about locking in a top five class, which is really hard this year because the the threshold of those three SEC programs right now is absurd, right? You're talking a and Bama, and Georgia. So those last two spots are, are really where the conversation begins for this, at least for the December signing period of, of 2022. A, a lot of attrition, a lot of flips going on because of the carousel, which is still somehow spinning on December. What is this, the 10th? Still spinning on December 10th. I mean, Oregon, like, I just got a text that Oregon, like, is trying to talk to Mel Tucker. I'm like, what? Like, it's it's crazy. It's crazy how late this has gone. So Notre Dame, having gone through a transition technically, is, is really making up uh, really well despite that fact. Uh, in theory, you've lost one and gained one since mm-hmm. since Freeman became the guy, or since right around when Freeman became the guy. So Notre Dame's in good shape. Absolutely top five range, and depending on how it finishes, could really be in that mix after that SEC trio. And, you know, i got to say this, guys. One other thing I love, which you never would have seen under Brian Kelly, the Notre Dame head coach tweeted out a Billy Madison gif today. Obviously landed Billy (laughs) Shrouth. So I just freaking love that. So uh, John Garcia, S from SI uh, All-American. John, obviously, is going to be very, very busy. Stay locked into what John is doing. John, tell the people where they can find you. Absolutely. All free content, SIAllAmerican.com. I think uh, probably by now. Caleb Webb has made his commitment between Michigan and Tennessee. Don't worry, Notre Dame fans. I think it's Tennessee. So that will be settled over there. <laughs> Jeffrey Mbaugh, number one Juco player. That blog is coming out later today. Uh, again, all free, siallamerican.com or si.com slash college. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Have a good day. And uh, try Take to care, find buddy. a couple hours of sleep between now and Wednesday. 
right. So <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'm gonna have, may have to throw some money his way, but we're gonna try to bribe you to come on on Wednesday too. We're uh, I think we're gonna have sort of an all day kind of running live show, so we'll have to we'll have to find some time for you to for you to come and join us on Wednesday. Let's so do it. Sounds start, good to me. Start looking at that calendar, buddy, and start locking down some time. So John Garcia talking about the Billy Shrouth commitment and the rest of the name class. Have a good one, John. So, Brian, now I want to do what you and I uh, like to do really more than anything else, and we're going to pop in some film. I knew that was so, what you were going to say. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't yes, ever sir. watch film. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Probably like 1 o'clock in the morning. What are you doing, Brian? I'm just watching this kid from some such and such. Okay. Let's watch some a little bit of Billy Shroud film, Brian. Just we'll share our thoughts on what we see. And I think the big thing is you guys are going to see the, the big thing that we like is just that punch. This is him at left guard pulling around. You see that quickness, like seeing him bend a little bit, but you see the agility. Watch him working through this trash. You can watch his feet, really light on his feet, and then just strikes that poor little fellow. He reminds me of a big tight end that's the 260 tight end. Okay, he's not mm -hmm. a pass catcher, but the way he makes the guy miss when he was going through there, mm -hmm. most O-linemen don't do very well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is him playing defense. This is what we talked about. Like This kid is a, a good – that's not a great play. This kid's a good defensive player for high school. And again, I think 20 years. Think look at the end of that play, Brian, too. Look at the length. That's the thing. That's I not see. normal for a big yeah. offensive lineman from the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. It's not. That's some length. And the thing about him is I don't think his technique is great. I think he's a kid that still has a lot of room to improve. But the one thing I do like about technique wise, he 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 coils a little too much, but watch him watch him pull his hands back and strike. He understands the importance of striking with his hands. What you see from a lot of a lot of high school offensive linemen is they just kind of hit and then bring their hands. He brings his hands early. Look at that. Oh, that's tremendous. I mean, he's hitting with his hands before he hits with his face. I love that. That's what love you're supposed that. to do at the highest yes. level. So yes. I'm, I'm good with it, him doing it now. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I got to see that. A, you, you see it a lot. You see it a lot from him. And that's he's, not exactly a – I mean, it's a not a huge – it's not the kind of guy he's going to face in college, but that's not exactly a small high school player he's going against either. This is where his game's going to have to improve is the pass game. He's He's got to get used to playing in that part of the game. They do not throw hardly at all at his high school. Yeah, that's just one of those things where Billy hasn't played in it. He has right. the athleticism to do it. It's just a mindset. If he takes right. his mind and says, I'm going to earn this, that dude's going to play. Because you already know right. he can play in the run game. That's a guarantee. Right. It's proven. Right. Pull up, get to this next bit of film here. That's it for that particular group. Now, this is senior film as well. So uh, we'll get to this next batch of senior film. I just don't want to have to show everyone the uh, huddle commercial. So here we go. Yeah, good luck with that. I battle that thing every day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I don't smoke. I, I'm sick of seeing commercials about oh, I gum that. disease. I, I I don't chew tobacco or smoke. Can you give me something that's more relative to what I do? Here's another <laughs> example. Like, there's some things I don't like about this particular play from a technique standpoint. I don't think he he's like he kind of stops when he hits and his foot he comes off a little bit high at time on this particular play. But the thing I love about this clip, however, is look at the hands. I mean, you the extent, the speed of the hands, quick hands, he strikes. It keeps his feet moving, so he's able to kind of get over top and scrape and make the tackle. But, you know, there's some things you want to work on as far as a defensive line technique, but I love the hands. 
I love how much he uses his hands, bro. He's further advanced than some of the kids that I see, literally. And again, I live in Florida that are going to SEC and ACC schools to play D line because they use their hands so poorly and they're just freak athletes. Mm -hmm. Right. And they hit, they hit with their face and then they bring their hands. And it's terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They totally have to rechange them at Clemson or Georgia or wherever they go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's another example. Again, some things you can, could work on technique wise, but look at the hands. He understands. I mean, he gets them with the, he hits a skill to forearm shiver. I love the hand usage. I love the fact that he doesn't strike with his face first. Uh, he uses his hands. And, I mean, that's just something you you really want to see. Joe Moore would have killed to have coached this kid. Yeah. He yeah. would have been a perfect pull-and-pin guy in Joe Moore's scheme. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's a nice penetration right there. Again, just using his hands, getting that guy back. Oh, he ate that guy alive. Mm-hmm. That is just called bull strength right there. I'm bigger and stronger Mm -hmm. than you, and I'm going to slap you upside the head. (laughs) I love it. Yep. Yep. Then we'll watch one more more film here, and then we will kind of talk about what this commitment means for next season because I think think that's where I think this commitment is going to have a big impact as well. And we'll explain explain what we mean by that here as well. All right, last little bit of Billy Shrouth film. See, it's like (laughs) if you look at him, like he's not like – he's not like bullying this kid. Like he's not like really I'm trying to think of the, the way I want to say this. This isn't a play where he's got like a, a running start and he's just, he just, he has that natural pop, you know, he just kind of coy. He just explodes his hips through contact. He's got a lot of natural power, oh, a yeah. lot of natural power. And he, he plays with a mean streak. And that's something that, that I, that I want to see. I'm not saying that he's McGlinchey or Nelson, but he plays with that attitude that he wants to make right. know that I was there. And those and guys get somebody. Man. They don't have enough of that in their current line, in my opinion. Now, part yeah. of that is part yeah. of that is it was Coach Adam because Josh Lug played with that in high school. He just hasn't had it the last couple of years in Notre Dame. This is something you don't see Billy Shrouth do very often: pass blocking. But look, I, I almost could care less about pass. I mean, I it's good to see it. Mm-hmm. But I know in, in a year and a half, we'll be able to pull this back up on huddle mm-hmm. and we'll laugh mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's nothing against Billy. He just hasn't been coached in it. The offense right. they run and the it's players fine. they have, you know, he's playing in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. There is, I, without knowing anything about their team, and I mean this literally, I live two miles from Tampa Catholic. They don't have one kid at the school he's at that would even sniff the field at mm-hmm. Tampa Catholic on offense, at receiver or corner. Not one. Other than him. Yeah, I mean, no, like it's skill guys. Like I'm, there's I'm, no I'm, reason to run a passing offense. They they can't do it. You know, they don't have the guys. Watch this get off here. This is the thing I like too. This when I talk about working feet through contact, this is exactly what we're talking about, right? He strikes immediately starts driving his feet because he actually, if you watch this play, this kid going against him actually wins the the, the leverage battle. So Billy, actually, this kid gets under Billy's pads a little bit, right? And this is a kid that's got a little bit of meat on him for Wisconsin high school. But Billy ends up winning this because when they hit, now his base narrows a little bit, but when they hit, he just works his feet through the, through it. Look, his feet don't stop moving. That's awesome. when, people, when we talk on film about when we were talking about the Notre Dame offensive line this year and we talk about catching, Oh, and and, and this is what we're talking. You don't see this. So watch his feet right here. This is Billy right here at left guard. Watch his feet. 
he does not stop his feet at the point of contact. This is called playing through contact. This I love. Now, are there things I want to coach up him about on this? Yes, stay lower, right? You want to stay lower. You got a little high. You let that guy win the leverage battle, right? There's coaching points in there. But what you commend him on is the finish and the fact that he keeps moving his feet through contact. I love that. I love that. Because a lot of times you got you to gotta teach a kid to do that. Not a lot of linemen, Brian, have that. Number one, because a lot don't need it because they're usually just so much bigger and stronger than everybody yeah. they play. They just kind of push the kids off the line. Yeah, that's a bad technique to start because when you get to college and you go against your first one-on-one rep against a real player, you get pancaked the other direction. I've seen that yeah. happen at Notre Dame in practices. Mm-hmm. Get high against a real athlete? Yeah, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So let's, let's Brian, let's talk about this commitment from regards to how this impacts the 2023 class. Sure. So right now you have five offensive linemen in the 2020, the 2021 class. Only one of them played enough to lose a year of eligibility. Since since Blake Fisher got hurt, it doesn't really matter. Blake he's Fisher's not a five year guy. Yeah, he's never coming back. Uh, Rocco Spindler didn't play. I mean, he. But point is, there. That's a young group. Pat Coogan and Caleb Johnson are the other part of that group. I think so far we have to say we have to be pleased with that group since Jake Joe Alt's so much ahead of schedule. Blake obviously was playing very well, and and I hear good things about Rocco. Then you look at this group. So you've got two years. You've got 10 linemen in two years. Even if you lose a kid or two, the point is your numbers from these two classes are excellent. So what that does for Notre Dame in 2023 is what that tells Notre Dame is the one thing you do not need in 2023, numbers. Quality so what, over, over numbers. Exactly. So yeah. if at this point in time, you're looking for fit, right? You may say, hey, look, we need to sign a – a kid that maybe isn't a top 50 kid because we need a kid that maybe plays a specific position. But at this point in time, Notre Dame can be super picky about who they target in 2023. I forget the name of the kid. There's an offensive lineman back east, a New Jersey kid, or somebody they're in on real high. But Is that Chase Basantis? Yeah, I believe that's yeah. right. Somebody like him. TJ Shanahan, Caden Proctor, guys like there, that. It, yeah. If it's not a top 250 kid, and I'm not trying to be a jerk or, you know, again, I, I love Notre Dame and I know they can recruit O line at a high level. But because of the last two classes, you're not going to have as many numbers, as you noted, on the offensive line. So if you take a kid early, he's got to be a surefire, really good football player. I'm talking about taking him in February or March or whatever. And they usually get one of those kids. Maybe they, they find one that's, not as highly rated they really love because he's got a high upside, boy, right. they better be sure. Right. Because there's why why right. you're in a position of complete power. It's Notre Dame. It's not hard to recruit O lineman anyway, but you just got 10 dudes in two classes. It's just about talent right now mm-hmm. and being picky. They they could it, get yeah. away with the two-man class if they were both elite. And I if mean if they elite. keep everybody in the current class. I agree yeah. with that. Yes. I, I would prefer not to do that, but if it happens, you always want to have at least it. three. You I always want to have three. Yeah. Uh, it protects against injury. It protects against, because look, somebody in these two groups is going to get injured. Somebody in this group is right. not going to pan out and somebody may transfer. Agree right? across I mean, the board. Always have to do that. And that's true everywhere. So, but the point is to, 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 to Brian's point, it, it doesn't have to be a top 50 recruit. It has to be a kid with an incredibly high ceiling. Sometimes that is a top 50 recruit. Sometimes it's a top, right. Sometimes it's a top 250 type of recruit, like a Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley was not an elite high school offensive lineman, but you and I both said that kid's got an elite ceiling. 
Oh, and yeah. he eventually grew into that. Same with Mike McGlinchey. He was a guy that you and I liked a lot more than the recruiting services coming out of high school because you said we said when this kid stops playing basketball and he gets to the college wait. weight room, yeah. he's going to be 300 pounds and he's 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 going to be a tremendous player. So it's about finding that high ceiling, and that's all they shoot for. But the other thing too, Brian, it doesn't just give you room to work from a a number standpoint, but you can be patient. If you're in on a kid and you say, "Hey, look, we love this kid. He likes us, but he's looking at a lot of schools. This is gonna, this one's gonna drag out for a while." Okay, drag, let it drag out then, because you don't need to. You don't because you're looking for impact over numbers. There's it takes less of the boy. You better get somebody soon, or you, you know you may be in trouble. I think that matters too. That allows them to strive even higher for some of these kids. So not only does landing Billy Shroud help you now. But adding a fifth offensive lineman to this class puts Notre Dame in a position of power and leverage when it when it comes to the 2023 class. And it's going to be good, too, because you're going to have a new O-line coach. So it's going to give him time to come in and identify who he likes, identify who he wants, and start building that relationship to where if it takes him six or seven months to really get things going, you're okay because it just matters how you finish. So I think really landing Billy Shrouth in so many ways is going to have a huge impact on where things stand for Notre Dame and it comes to offensive line recruiting. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, just to use your point, and this is a kid I'm sure you've either spoken to or you've talked about on your show or your site. There's a kid from Fenway, Ohio named Luke Montgomery that's mm-hmm. kind of in the Wagner category. Good athlete, high upside. He's a national recruit, blah, blah, blah. That for whatever it's worth, and you know, early rankings for O-linemen are dicey at best, no matter what service you're looking at. 247 has this kid ranked in the class of 23 as the number 63 prospect. Hard to rank O-linemen early on. It, it, you know, there's one or two that are obvious in every class. But even if this kid's 163, his upside is really right. high. Well, see, that he's, a, he's an interesting player too, Brian, because right now Notre Dame's recruiting him as a defensive lineman. Yeah, I, I and, saw that. And, and, and so he's, he's an athlete. Right, but here's he's the thing athlete. about him. 
he is the kind of kid that he's deciding whether he wants to play defense or offense. If Ooh, he ends up deciding yeah. that he wants, because because I think Ohio State's recruiting him as an offensive lineman. Okay. So if if he ends up deciding he wants to play offense, then you just say, okay, O-line coach, Tom Maurice, you guys take this one over, right? And so you haven't had a kid like that since Tillery. That's you, true. You know, who has unique. a legitimate decision to make about what side of the ball. Like Rocco was, uh, you know, people like rivals listed him as a defensive tackle. No, Nobody seriously thought that Rocco Spindler was going to play defense in college, right? right? And Billy Shrouth's not a, you know, he's not a defensive lineman in today's game. Neither's Ty Chan. Uh, maybe 20 years ago they could have, which we said earlier, but Luke Montgomery's a legitimate two-way player. Notre Dame is likes him on one side, but if he decides he wants to play the other, then you flip him there. But the point that you're that Brian's making that, that we agree on is you need to find guys with really high ceilings. Because the other thing, too, is because Blake Fisher's already playing, because Joe Walt's already playing, because Rocco's gonna start battling soon, because you have guys in this class, in my opinion, like Billy Shrouth, because that's who we're talking about, that can play somewhat early in their careers. You can afford to take a five-star upside, but projecty kind of of situation next year. Luke Montgomery is that kind of guy because if he decides he wants to play offensive line, that's fine. His his early his early um, playing time projection is not nearly as fast as it would be on defense because he's got to build the body up so much. I'm going to go ahead and throw a name out there, and I'm pretty sure you've spoken about this kid before, and, I, and he's what I call a quote unquote. Three Clipper, I watched three clips and I turned it off because there's no other need. And that's really rare with O-line, and that's Caden Proctor. Yeah, He might be as good, if not better, just prospect-wise, than Nawakba from Iowa this year. It's the best back-to-back combination I've ever seen out of Iowa. That state does not Same high play. school. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I don't know what the heck's going on in Des Moines, but thumbs up to them. Um, Proctor will kill you. He is yeah. physically ready for SEC play as a junior in high school. It's insane. He is a grown man. That's one of those kids Brian was talking about. If he decides, you know what, guys? Okay, Marcus, I'll do an in-home with you. I'll go visit for the Stanford game middle of the year, and I'm sure they'll have a bunch. They always do that that game every year, the mid-October game. But I'm not going to decide until January. You have to stay in it for a kid like that anyway, mm-hmm. but especially in a year where you're coming off back-to-back five-man classes – Okay. I mean, Caden Proctor's conservatively a top 20 player nationally, and I think he's a top 10 player. Okay. He's a, he's a no brainer five star now and in the future. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he, he could play guard or tackle, doesn't matter. Freak athlete, blah, blah, blah. 24 uh, 7 has him number six. That's probably about right. But, but again, you here's know? the thing, Brian, because you don't have numbers, let's say he commits, to, let's say he follows Xavier and commits to Iowa tomorrow. Okay. Right. Or he commits to Ohio State. Fine. Okay. You, you're no rush. Flip them. You know, that's, that's the same thing. It's not often yeah. in that situation. They have to say, look, this kid, we can't afford to wait till next signing day to try to flip this kid. Because you've signed 10 kids in the last two classes, you're now in position to say, hey, look, especially if you're able to see, here's the thing if you can identify a top lineman or two early and get them early, that's obviously ideal. That yeah. gives you even more flexibility to say, okay, for this last guy, we're going to go out and find a dude. And if he's committed somewhere else, so be it. And, yeah, and I think that's awesome. a rare position for them to be in when it comes to the offensive line. They're in that position at almost every spot. Now, there's a couple on defense that are a little iffy with that. But that's a position that when I started covering Notre Dame in the late 90s, they were zero. 
mm-hmm. positions like that. And it, mm-hmm. that's why so many freshmen and sophomores got quote unquote thrown to the wolves. That doesn't always work out well from a mentality standpoint. Some kids got their head, their heads knocked in and they never recovered. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, mentally, even Proctor, as good as he is, I mean, there, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre, there's a handful of schools, Georgia, that recruit O-line at a really high right. level. He ain't playing his freshman year unless things really fall right. But he'd be one of the few that could. Like Blake Fisher, we right. knew he had a chance to play as a freshman. Caden, for those of you out there, same kind of athlete, right. if not better than Blake. It's scary. When he's longer than Blake is. Yeah, buddy. He's taller and longer than Blake is. But, you know, but that's the thing is like, uh, it's just it's a great position to be in, and, and they've done a. What's funny is is that you often see a class like this put together because of the offensive line coach, and I'm not saying Jeff Quinn didn't have a role in this class. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, he did some good things with this class, but this is one of those things where if you're concerned about Tommy Reese as a recruiter, there to me right now is only one position that I have concern with Tommy Reese as a recruiter, and that's quarterback. His position that's still a question mark to me. But his ability to go out and, and have an, a, as big of an impact on getting commitments from other positions is is really exceptional, and it's that of someone who you would expect to have a much more established track record, if we're being honest. To, to, the role oh, he had with getting Tobias and CJ and Jadarian Price and Billy Shrouth and Emil Wagner and you know and, and the guys that they're getting in his class, the tight ends is really you do not you do not hear an interview with a with an offensive kid in this class. You have not read an interview. I'll bet you with any of these kids where Tommy Reese's name is, is either brought up first or very early in the conversation. And that's a great sign because if he can be what I and you think he can be as a recruiter, because there's nothing, Tommy Reese is just getting started. He's 29 years old. He's not going to get worse as a coach or recruiter, most likely, unless he just stops caring. And you and I both know Tommy Reese is not where he got to because he doesn't work. Right. But you got, now you've got a, a head coach that is, that values recruiting, that's only going to make Tom Reese even more dangerous on the recruiting trail. And this is an example of that. How often do you get an offensive lineman out of the, out of the backyard of a program known for producing offensive linemen when you don't even have a position coach? And in this case, position coach was a hindrance to getting that kid. This, to my knowledge, this is the first offensive lineman that Notre Dame has signed out of Wisconsin in 20 plus years. I can't remember the last one. I really Greg Pauley probably should have been, but that's another right. argument. I don't. I mean, they probably offered 10. Mm-hmm. I honestly can't remember the last one. I'm like, I'm. I can't remember I one so. in the Rivals era. I'm gonna go when we're done with the show. I'm gonna go back and look. I don't um, think so. That unfortunately, I, I used to write about this all the time when I worked with Blue and Gold, etc. State U is hard to beat. I don't care if they are one and eleven. Yeah. When you go to class, and I know a lot of Notre Dame fans, you know, blinders. I go to these high schools. Heck, I go to inner city, Fort Lauderdale, all the way all over. The in-state pull, the coaches, it is real. They try to get their kids to go to their favorite school. Mm-hmm. Wow. Out. And in Wisconsin, yep. there's one institution. Mm-hmm. One. Period. Yeah, you say the word Michigan, it's like a four-letter word to them. You say the you know Notre Dame, it's like a four-letter. Word. They don't care. Yeah, there's push. And then in the classroom, I'm sure half the kids grew up Wisconsin fans too. And and look, but- Brian, if this was a cornerback recruit or a receiver recruit or you know any other position offensive line, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. It's Wisconsin, right? Yeah, I but mean, they put guys in the NFL from when you local. Have an offensive yeah. line 
Yeah, that's I mean, part, that's you're a, part of the tradition. Come on, join us. Yeah, I get a it. Huge deal. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're in the head coach and O line guy. What yeah. do you, I mean, Paul Chris and their OC is an O line guy. I yeah. mean, if their he linebackers would, coach is an O line guy. I mean, they have three O line former O line coaches on their freaking staff. One of them coaches defense. That might explain a few things. But that's, <laughs> I'm I'm a pretty sarcastic and glass half empty guy. That's concerning to me. Okay. <laughs> You're saying that's why they barely scored over 20 points a game this year? You could be correct. Uh, yeah, Is that why offense. you're saying that's why the Notre Dame defense outscored Wisconsin's offense when they played in, in, in October, September? Yes, you could be correct. Let's get to a couple of super chats here, Brian, before we wrap things up. Uh, and we jump – well, we did kind of talk about what's next with offensive line, what's next with the 2022 class. I think right now the focus is on sign who you have. Agree. After the 15th, you then reevaluate who's still on the board, and then you go from there. Agree. Jim K with a super chat. Thank you, Jim. Hopefully this is an indicator of how effective Tommy Reese can be on the recruiting trail with real support from the head coach. And, and Jim, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is this, And Jim said this way before we just talked about it. So this is a great observation by Jim. And that's, that's the exciting thing for me and why it's so important that Marcus Freeman make good hires when it comes to filling out the staff of getting people that are at least – good recruiters because if he can just get people that are good recruiters between him as the head coach and helping on defense with Mike Mel Mike Elson and Mike Mickens on defense with Tommy Reese on offense you're now have some very strong recruiters at very important positions and and I think that is something that is is encouraging in regards to Notre Dame being able to to get some of these players because like the, the thing that, that has always bothered me is this notion that Notre Dame can't can only bring in like 40% of the players because academics there's, there's more kids. They can't get to school because they're not willing to pay rightfully. So yeah, then kids they can't get, yeah, exactly. Then because they can't get kids into school, but there's also, and you also know this, Brian, there's a lot of kids out there that aren't for sale. Notre Dame needs to start finishing on those kids. That's because, number one, because that's always been true. Kids yeah. were taking money back in the 80s when Lou Holtz was signing number one classes and Notre Dame wasn't paying players, right? Because there's enough kids out there with top talent that don't need to be bought or can't be bought. Those are the kids Notre Dame needs to start landing that they've been missing on. And it requires a great recruiting operation. And now you finally have a head coach that not only takes it seriously from, a, yeah, we need to recruit, but he's going to be the lead, lead the, you know, sort of the leading the charge. And then from what we've seen from Tommy Reese so far, it's very encouraging, very encouraging uh, about what this recruiting staff could be moving forward. Brian, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that what you said earlier, it, I'm, I've been trying to wrap my head around it. I can't remember the last time like Notre Dame didn't have an O-line coach entrenched mm -hmm. and they went out and got an elite O-line, let alone not to even have one at all. Right. And you have, you go, I don't care if you're Alabama, you go through coaching changes. But that's just weird. Those guys, for whatever reason, O-linemen do not just jump on board. Now, he obviously liked Notre Dame, and he was recruited by a mall. He doesn't know who the freaking O-line coach is going to be. I can't put that into a category yeah. because there is no precedent for it right. with Notre Dame, to my right. knowledge. Right. That is his – I give Tommy the utmost respect with that, and we talked this past summer – you said, like, well, Tommy works hard, but he hasn't done much yet because he hasn't coached long. He doesn't have a right. lot of help. I Meaning, yeah, I know you were talking and, about and, and he doesn't have an established resume yeah, of he, what he's done. And now, I mean, they were pretty good offensively this year, but I still think they were hindered, and I'm being nice, with what was at the O-line coaching position. And that's, why the, that's why the final six games were so important. Oh, yeah, they, they figured it. I'll because give them he, credit. They did better. Well, Kelly finally got out of the freaking way, as simple as that. 
<laughs> and it helped that they had a schedule to help. But the point is, he now has film to show, hey, look what our offense can do now. You know, you, th- you show the Florida State game. You show the Stanford game. You show the Georgia Tech game. You show the North Carolina game. You now have film to say, hey, look, we're going to spread this sucker out. We're going to run different schemes. We're going to get the ball in space. It's not theoretical anymore. You now have film on it. He now has two years as an offensive coordinator in which Notre Dame has gone 21 and three. He now has more of an established track record to now he's going to put in the same work he has been putting in, but now he has a little bit more kind of behind him. And then, as you said, you add the head coach that's, he doesn't have to do by himself. Now, Mike Elson doesn't have to do it by himself. Now, Mike Mickens isn't out there doing it by himself. Now. I think that's going to be a big, a big part of that as well. Here's, here's my last point. And I know you put this up on your message board last night and I read it It was later. I'd, I'd have called you. There are a lot of guys that would love to be the O-line coach at Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, and in this case, Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman is now fielding calls instead of making calls, which is bizarre. To the people that aren't on the message board, what we put up, Brian's referring to, is I put an update last night that I have now talked to a few sources that said part of the reason that the offensive line hiring is going to take a while is because they're getting a ton of calls. And I'm not talking about the calls like, hey, the guy from, you know, Kansas State State called, the guy from, you know, from from, uh, Stephen F. Austin called. I'm hearing big time colleges, names that people recognize, and including a couple NFL people. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there, and you and I agree wholeheartedly. I'm going to probably butcher his name. So, my apologies. In my opinion, in the last five years, the two best O line coaches are the guy that is now the head coach at Arkansas. He was at Georgia. And then the guy that I don't know where he's going to go next year. I hope it's Notre Dame. Bill Bedenbaugh, the yeah. guy at Oklahoma. I- I think Holy he's going to stay at Oklahoma. I think he's. I, I mean, think. if he didn't take the USC gig yeah. with Lincoln already, I'm guess he just doesn't seem like an LA is a different yeah. deal. Yeah. I mean, it's just not. Forever. He's a Midwestern guy. You know, he coached at West Virginia, and yeah, I don't think but, that's a great fit. But I, I could well, see well, him fitting well, at Notre Dame. But some guys like that that are interested. Now we'll see. We'll see how it shapes up. But um, I have been told that they're 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 surprised. There were some surprises just how many coaches reached out for that. I'll put you like this. There were more coaches that reached out, like legitimate, like could do the job that reached out to coach the O-line that couldn't reach out to coach to be the head coach. That is that, wow. Yeah. I mean, being the Notre Dame head coach is a pretty good gig. So that puts <laughs> it puts it in perspective because these guys aren't dumb. Right. They look at the recruiting rankings like we do and they recruit these kids. Right. If I go there, I've got a ton of talent. This is an easy right. job. Right. They're not dumb, man. They know they're, oh, I get a coach Blake Fisher. That's a good right. deal. And Joe Alt. And <laughs> I get two and, NFL tackles from the Oh, top they just got a commitment from a top 100 kid who we didn't have yeah. a coach. All right, cool. I think I can recruit there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I'm not shocked they had some, but to have more than the head coach. Yeah. That does surprise me. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, here's a super chat from Jeffrey Richardson. Who do you who are you uh, thinking a good O-line coach hire would be? I, I used to listen to you on Rivals, but once you left, so did I. Thank you for that. I'm so glad I f- to find your content and analysis again. Jeffrey, I'm glad that you found it as well, and welcome aboard. Uh, so, Jeffrey, I have purposely not put names out because, number one, I don't specifically know a lot of the names, and I don't want to put a name out, and then it comes across as if I'm like saying a name that – that I've heard when in fact, it's just me saying, I like the guy. Okay. The other reason why is because I have found in the past, this was learning from my mistakes. I would put some guys out that I liked. 
And if the list that Notre Dame worked from was not the list of guys I liked, it was often perceived as that I didn't like their list. <laughs> in reality, there's probably 15, 20 guys in college football and six or seven guys in the NFL that could come do this job at a really high level. Yeah. And, and I don't know who is or isn't interested specifically. So I've, I've, I've tried to avoid that as much as I can. Uh, and I'm going to continue to do that because the reality is there isn't just like, if you don't pick one of these four guys, they're screwed. Right. I mean, th- when, when Brian Kelly was trying to replace Harry, he there was five, four or five guys up for the job. The guy he hired was the one I didn't want him to hire, but people say, well, which one of these guys do you like best? And I'm like, I don't care. Pick one of those guys and you're going to be fine. You know? And, and that's what I believe about this. There's a lot of good old line coaches out there. And there's a lot of guys who are good recruiters that would be great recruiters at Notre Dame because they'd have the, the power of the Notre Dame offensive line brand behind them. And you just got to make sure you hire one of those guys. you got to hire someone who, who understands how to teach technique, how to understand how to, how to play with physicality, and, and a guy that understands how to sell the University of Notre Dame. And whether that's hiring an alum like Andy Heck, who's with the Chiefs, and I'm using that just as an example, or someone who's a, a lifelong college coach, I don't care. Give me a technical coach who understand who 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 can coach toughness, who's willing to to do what he's got to do to get the top classes. They sign that. I don't care if it's someone that would have been on my list or not. That that's my stance. Brian, do you have any comments on that? I think you hit it. You really got to want to be at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. State U is a different gig, man. I've been blessed to be around a lot of coaches at a lot of schools and have those quote unquote off the record conversations. Notre Dame is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just not. You got to recruit kids that fit, and you have to stop recruiting a lot of kids that might even be better. That doesn't go over well with a lot of coaches. Mm-hmm. Too bad. This is what it is. Do you want to work with this? Now, at O-line, it's the easiest of the positions in my – maybe tight end, take your bait. But O-line coach, still, do you want to be at Notre Dame? Do you want to go and recruit kids that you're not going to buy? Because where I live, a seven-figure check to get a kid is nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. For those people out there don't believe, garbage. And especially this the NIL stuff. And Yeah, uh, I, yeah I'll get into that after signing day. But mm-hmm. seven-figure <laughs> has went into another mm-hmm. you know, stratosphere with recruiting. And I mean that literally because NIL. But there's nothing Notre Dame can do about that. But I, I'm not going to buy that there aren't Notre Dame alums that are going to try to set up kids and talk to them whether Notre Dame knows about it or not. If you come here, I'm going to hook you up. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But Notre Dame's the coaches, they're not going to use it like SEC schools. They use it as a recruiting tool in the sense, this is why you're coming here, because we're going to buy you. Notre Dame's not going to do that, and that's not for every coach. And I'm glad, and it's why I root for Notre Dame. If I wanted to root for a renegade program, I'd root for Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, they don't care. Mm-hmm. But this this is why Notre Dame is special, and it's why I root for them. But uh, I think Notre Dame will get the right guy for them. Tommy and Marcus, they get it. Or else they would have went to LSU. That told right. me a lot. Right. And I think that they'll get whatever guys, and I have no idea what the list is that you've seen or heard about. Mm-hmm. If they have those kind of guys and you're posting that on your message board, these are guys that could coach in the NFL or they are, as you mentioned, actual NFL coaches. Very good sign. So we had some people talk about this in the chat, and I just went and checked Twitter because, you know, Twitter is never wrong. Uh, but in this case, oh, it does God. appear to be true that uh, Ohio State is going to pay Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State, $1.9 million, making him their okay. highest paid assistant coach. 
and also that he Ooh. is now not going to coach in the bowl game. So, uh, yeah, which I That's... do not like. The only way that I'm okay with that is if it was Mike Gundy's decision. That <sighs> that I'd be okay. if Mike Gundy said, "Hey, you you don't you don't you, you know you took another job where you know because it There's could a be a situation of... where if he's thinking I want to promote from within now you've got a 15 practice trial period to see what kind of job the guy you may promote from within can do so he will so according to brett mcmurphy and a couple other people uh it looks as though jim knowles will not coach the bowl game for oklahoma state so no brian kelly no jim knowles no kyle hamilton no kyron williams uh one of those for sure i think is a benefit to the team involved i didn't um, even know kyron uh, wasn't playing but I mean, yeah that was announced right before we we uh, jumped on our earlier show and I can't um, yeah to running back so there. so that's kind of uh that's that's the interesting thing this is a big commitment as of right now i do not anticipate notre dame getting any new commitments as of right now uh, of players out there i think right now they're gonna their focus has been on keeping the kids in the class i do think that they're gonna kind of look over their board again after signing day on the 15th see who else is out there and make sure that they don't rush into a decision. Cause I think that's where the transfer portal has changed things a little bit for a program like Notre Dame is you don't have to hustle up to get a kid. Cause you have a position, a depth need now. And then you take a kid maybe that that's never going to be more than a depth player for you for four years. When you can go find a kid like that in the transfer portal and you only have to be locked into them for one. It's and, and I, yeah. And I think that's going to be the, the where we're going to see is do we need to fill these needs with, is there a recruit out there that we think can be a, a really good player for us? Or do we go get a transfer kid to decide? Or in some cases with Notre Dame, Notre Dame has a ton of fifth and sixth year options to make, decisions to make. And you could just as easily say, hey, we're going to bring so-and-so back for a sixth year or fifth year that we normally wouldn't have otherwise had we been able to get a kid in the recruiting class. So going to be very, very interesting. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, Brian Smith, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you uh, being on. I know you love talking Notre Dame football, but I also know you're a very, very busy man. So I appreciate that very much. Uh, Everybody, thanks for joining us. We will be back tomorrow night. We will have a show starting at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern in the evening for those who may think that I might be doing a really early morning show. That is not the case. It will be at night. (laughs) Uh, Brian knows I'm not a morning person. You are not. Uh, 7 a.m. is a little bit too close to the time I'm actually going to bed for me to do a show. Uh, but we will we will have a show tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. We are going to talk about the pending decision by 2023 cornerback Justin Rett, who is a top 50-ish caliber player in the t- country in 2023. He is going to make his decision between Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee. Uh, we have some scoop about him on the Irish Breakdown message board about where we think he is leaning right now. But uh, we will find out tomorrow. We'll talk about the decision he makes. We'll talk about how that impacts Notre Dame, positively or negatively. And then, of course, what's next for Notre Dame at that position. So make sure that you join us then for the Irish Breakdown podcast. So for Brian Smith, I'm Brian Driscoll. Y'all have a great day, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.